Acts 4, verse 20. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. When we think of the word Christian, we tend to think of an established religion with churches, prayer and doing good things. But when we look back to the very first Christians, we get to see something much more raw, much more unstructured. The book of Acts, which we'll be looking at over these next few weeks, is simply an account by eyewitnesses of the very first Christians. And what becomes very clear very quickly is that something dramatic had happened. This wasn't an attempt at establishing a new religion or starting an institution. They were simply a random group of people who'd seen something incredible. And they simply started changing the world as a result. They didn't have to work themselves up to be revolutionaries. They'd just seen something and heard something so breathtaking that had changed everything forever. And the question for us is this. Could this happen again? right here, right now. Good morning. Uh, can I add my Happy New Year to Nathaniel's from earlier? Uh, we hope you had a great Christmas, a restful one, a peaceful one, uh, and that 2020 for you, whatever that is looking like at the moment, is one in which you get to know something of just how good God is and understand all that he wants to say to you in your life. Last year in America, the organization Barna did an amazing, interesting survey. It's an organization that just does research about Christianity and looks at lots of different things. And in their study, they asked what people thought about religion, and they particularly asked what Christians thought about their faith. And they were particularly interested in what different age groups thought about their faith. And they had a series of statements that they said, and they asked whether people agreed, disagreed, and, and so on. And so this statement, the best thing that could ever happen to someone is for them to come to know Jesus. They wanted to know what different age groups who would call themselves Christians thought of this statement. And perhaps unsurprisingly, 94 to 97% of Christians that they interviewed agreed with that statement that the best thing that could ever happen to someone is for them to come to know Jesus. That's not surprising, perhaps. But the following statement was much more interesting. The statement is, it is wrong to share one's personal beliefs with someone of a different faith in hopes that they'll one day share that same faith. Again, they were interested in what different age groups thought about this. Here's something fascinating. 47% of people born after 1980, they're referred to as the millennial generation, if that's you, you're the millennials, agreed with that statement. So nearly half of Christians who are aged 39 or younger think, in America, that it is wrong to share one's personal beliefs with someone of a different faith in hopes that they'll one day share 
that same faith. Not only is it difficult, but it is wrong. Now, I wonder, what do you make of that little vignette? Because if you feel a bit like that and you have agreement with that statement, I understand that view, and I think the book of Acts has something very, very helpful for all of us over these next few weeks. So as we've already mentioned, at the start of this year, a big year, we are going to spend nine weeks looking at this book of Acts in a series called Again. It's a series all about a deep desire that at the start of a new year, God would do great things. Because in the book of Acts, what we see is a bunch of normal people just like you and me. Turn to the person next to you. Do have a look at them. Say you're pretty normal. And then turn back to the other person and say, and so are you. Because in the book of Acts, what we have got is some normal people who change the world. And the way in which they do that is really helpful for all of us at the beginning of 2020. Nine weeks. This study guide that Nathaniel's already mentioned, do take that. Have a look. Use it in your groups. Use it on your own. Use it in your families. Use it on your commute. Whatever it is, things to help you as we go through this, uh, this series. And behind it all is a prayer. And the prayer is a simple one that we're going to pray this morning later on. The prayer is simply, Lord, do it again. Do it again. And we'll be asking some really big questions. Do miracles happen today? Does God heal today? Isn't the church full of hypocrites? Big questions. And our hope is that this is a helpful series, whether you would call yourself a follower of Jesus or not. Whether you've been following Jesus for decades, or you're not sure whether you do, whether church, this is the first time you've been to church for years, or whether you've never stepped for it forever. We hope this series will be one in which we begin to discover how God might want to be at work in all of our lives. And this building, these buildings, literally yards away down through the playing fields. Our hope is that in the same way the former glory of these buildings has gone, that for all of us as individuals in our city, in our church, Lord, do it again. Do it again. In the last verse of this section in the book of Acts that we're looking at over these nine weeks, we read these words. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Never stopped. That's pretty big, isn't it? Something so big had happened that they couldn't stop telling the world about it. I'm a Liverpool fan, if you didn't know. And you can't shut up, Liverpool fans, at the moment. Sorry about that. Why? Because the world has changed, my friends. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> I might kick myself later on. We'll see. Uh, but the reason you can't shut them up 
is not because they're trying to convince the world that Liverpool are the best team on the planet. They are the best team on the planet, and that's fact. They won the trophy after all. And so they can't help talking about it because they hold Liverpool Football Club dear, as we all should. <laughs> My prayer for me and for us is that this would be true. That we would be so transfixed and transformed that we just can't help speaking. Because it's interesting how the book of Acts begins. Now, you may know in your Bible, it might call this book the Acts of the Apostles. And that term was not one that was given by the author, Luke, who wrote this book. He didn't call it, this is my book, The Acts of the Apostles. That title was adopted later on through church history. I don't want to get pernickety about it, but most modern translations just call it Acts. And I think there's a reason why. Let me explain. The very first verses of the book of Acts say this. In my former book, Theophilus, so Luke is writing to a guy called Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he'd chosen. There's a key word there. The key word is began. His first book, which is what we have as the Gospel of Luke, is when he talks about what Jesus began to do, his ministry, and then dying on a cross for our sin, and then coming back to life. And now he's writing sequel, part two, and this is what, that's what it began to do. And of course, the implication is what? This is what the risen Jesus is continuing to do. So you perhaps should call it not the Acts of the Apostles, but the Acts of the Risen Lord Jesus. And I think this is really important as we get into this series. Why? Because it's not about us, friends. It's more about him. There's a really important question as you read the book of Acts. And what I want to encourage us all to do, whether or not we'd call ourselves a follower of Jesus, is try and read through the book of Acts over these next few weeks. Just pick it up and read it. Go for it. And there's a really important question as you read it, and it's this. Is what I'm reading normal, or is it just a description of what happened? In other words, if I'm a follower of Jesus, should I expect what we see and read in the book of Acts to be happening now? Or is it just a description of what happened then and we go, wow, that was amazing. And this little verse, this little word right at the beginning of Acts is really important. The word began sets us free. Because if it is what the risen Lord Jesus is doing, he's still alive and therefore we should expect him to still do now. Which is why we're asking questions in this series, do miracles still happen? Does God heal today? We like those questions, but then we're also asking questions, is persecution normal? Ah. How generous is generous? Ah. In other words, what the risen Jesus did then, he is still doing now. This is normal. And yet, it's also freeing, not only because we expect to see these things, but it's also what Jesus began to do, not what we do. And therefore, we can just relax a bit. 
as we look at miracles, you're looking at them next week, we can say, Lord, we pray for miracles, but actually it's not on us. God, you're in the business of doing miracles. And so if they don't happen, that's your call, not ours. It sets us free. It's not about us trying to make things happen. And so my prayer, our prayer as we get into this is, Lord, please do it again. Do it again. They were simply responding to what God was doing, and so they couldn't help talking about it. Which is why in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we read these words. Jesus says to his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on me. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. There's other words he could have used. He could have said, you will be my spokespeople. You will be my proclaimers. You would walk 500 miles to say it. You will be my preachers, whatever it is. But he chose witnesses. Why? Because of what God was doing that they were simply witnesses to that then bubbled out of them. And so the key verse, if you like, for our series is this. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. Should we all say that together out loud? As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. Now, I guess that for many of us, like the survey we thought about a few minutes ago, can read things like this and we beat ourselves up about it. Because we emphasize we cannot help speaking about. And if you're anything like me, sometimes, frankly, life is so overwhelming, you're not sure which way's up let alone having to speak about Jesus. And so we read verses like that, and at the beginning of a new year, we kind of feel a mixture of heaviness and guilt and burden. Can I say something very interesting? It's notable how little time the New Testament tells saying you should be telling about Jesus. Why? Because they were speaking about Jesus because of what was happening. The emphasis is on what God was doing and them just being witnesses to it. They couldn't help speaking of what they'd seen and heard. Jesus had died and was alive. That's a game changer for anybody. Sharing the good news comes from encountering the good news. That's what we're praying for this year that we would be people who get it, who are so transfixed by all that Jesus has done and is doing now that it naturally means we change the world. And if you're somebody here that you're not sure whether you'd call yourself a follower of Jesus, our prayer for you, and I would encourage you to pray it for yourself, is that you'd begin to realize just how much God loves you and that Jesus is at work right now in your life. And simply to pray, open my eyes, God, if you're there. Because I don't know if you're like me, but every time I read the book of Acts, I have a mixture of sadness and excitement. Excitement because I read stuff and I think, wow, wouldn't it be great if that happened? And sadness because I don't see it in my life very often. Our prayer this year is, please do it again. Do it again. In a world where every other God is failing, 
politicians, we don't need to look very far, they're failing us. Progress. We thought we'd be somewhere by now and suddenly it doesn't quite look like that. Everywhere we look, it seems a glimmer of peace and then suddenly war. Finances let us down. Wealth is no longer reliable. Our pensions, well, they look like. Health, for many of us, is just failing. All the things, even our relationships are in tatters in our society, aren't they? All the things that we make as gods that are good things, they aren't our salvation. May we see this year just how good God is. And as a result, change the world. Over Christmas, I picked up this book. This book is a little gem. It is from the 1920s, and it's called Look from the Top by Ethel E. Chilvers, by my great-grandma. It's a studies from the Song of Songs. Uh, it's fascinating, really, really fascinating. The foreword to it is stunning, and I wondered if it might be a word for some of us as we start 2020. To all the beloved of the Lord and to unsatisfied and yearning hearts who have found their Christian life to be a disappointment. He satisfies the longing soul. I will satisfy your soul in times of drought. Do it again, Lord. May this year in 2020 we see, God, just how good you really are. May we, Lord Jesus, see how much you've done for me. May I be so transfixed and transformed by what you have done, that you, Lord Jesus, really are alive, that therefore death has nothing against us. And that for those of us who grapple with ill health, whether it be mental, physical, emotional, whatever, that we can therefore trust that Jesus is at work even in the middle of that darkness. That one day, because he shattered even death itself, there will be a day with face to face with God Almighty with no more tears. Maybe when we grasp that, that we'll begin to say, Lord, please, I can follow you. I can put one foot in front of the other because you are good. Lord, do it again. Stir in us, we pray, by your spirit. We pray that for us as individuals. But we also pray it for our city, don't we? With such need, with such desperation, such brokenness. Lord, do it again. Would your church rise? Would you, Holy Spirit, move through your people so that we see countless people this year becoming followers of Jesus? And therefore, for us, our prayer for as a church is that this year we would see many, many people become followers of Jesus for the first time. That we would see people get baptized because they want to go for it with Jesus because they'd be transformed by what Jesus has done. And you don't need me to tell you that I do wonder that in a society where everything is proving untrustworthy, I can't help wondering whether God is at work in the middle of that. Because those things were never trustworthy anyway. The gospel is the hope of our nation. I had a conversation with our son Caleb's carer over just before Christmas when I was recounting the story of something that God had done. And her words were, I'm not religious, but that's amazing. Wouldn't it be great to hear that time and time again? this year. 
that because of what people see and hear, they say, I'm not religious, but you've got something. There's something going on down there at Riverside. There's something going on in your life that I I want a piece of. And therefore, we have an opportunity to say, it's not me, it's Jesus. And so, what does that look like? Well, this is where these three days come in. Because this is all about what God does, we play our part, but what the most important thing is getting on our knees before God saying, Lord, please do it again. So these three days that we begin today of prayer and fasting as a church is simply saying, God, it's your business. Prayer is the business. We're going to get on our knees, on our faces, pleading with you. We're desperate to see you work in amazing ways in us and through us. And so that handout, can I encourage you to just grab it in front of you, the one that's on your chairs? There's details about fasting, what that might look like. If you've never fasted, have a read through that. But then on the back, you'll see those joint times that Nathaniel's already mentioned. Basically, the pattern is there's tonight at Dame Elizabeth Cadbury at Cadbury School in Bourneville. And then on Monday and Tuesday, there's kind of three sections. There's early morning prayer meetings in Mosey and Kings Heath, in Bourneville or surrounding area, and in the city center. And then there's a lunchtime gathering at Riverside House, and there's kind of two dimensions to that. There's an all-age part of it, and then there's also a separate one as well. And then in the evenings, there are these three gatherings. One tonight, Dame Elizabeth in Bourneville, then on Monday night at Hazelwell Pub in Sturchley, and then on Tuesday night at Riverside House. We would encourage you, if you can, get to at least one of those gatherings. So that as we fast on our own through the days, whatever that looks like for you, there's lots of information. But then we can join together with a roar from our knees saying, Lord, please do it again. Break in and break through this year, we pray. When God's people are on their knees, for some reason, he seems to do incredible things. And as Nathaniel has already mentioned, if as over these few days, you feel as you're praying that God has spoken something to you or given a word of encouragement or some sort of insight, some sort of thing that you feel might be wider, just email this email address, prayer at riverside-church.org.uk. Okay.